Father, we bless your name tonight. That is our confession, the song we just sang. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because we are who you say we are. We are not forsaken. We are not abandoned. We are loved by you. And we thank you for your loving kindness, your tender mercies. Thank you for the refreshing that comes from your presence tonight. You say, where two or three of us are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst. So we welcome you, we thank you. Our gathering is unto you tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. We honor you, we praise you, Father God. As you help us with the breaking of the seal of your word tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise God. All right. Let me just go back to our theme scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. And I welcome everyone tonight that's either joining us for the first time. Uh, we've been talking about the mind of Christ since Sunday. Uh, Sunday morning, I started by sharing that we have a brand new mind. So we dealt with that on Sunday and Monday. Tuesday, that was yesterday, we addressed the fact that negative thoughts are not your thoughts. Negative thoughts are not your thoughts. Anytime you think anything that's negative, you must understand those thoughts are not coming from you. They are coming from without you. They are coming from outside of you in order to... Uh, cause damage. Amen? Okay, so le let me just read the scripture and then we're going to just dive on tonight. <clears throat> First Corinthians 2.16, he amplified classic. He says, for who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ the Messiah. And we do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. And really for the, uh, to, to help us define what it means to have the mind of Christ, that last sentence, or that last phrase, if you will, holding the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. That is what it means to have the mind of Christ. Amen? Now, if you notice in that scripture, and we, I mentioned this earlier, and I just, it, it bears repeating. That scripture did not say we will have the mind of Christ. It's saying we have it. So if you are a born again Christian, you are not trying to have the mind of God or the mind of Christ. You already have it. It's part of of the package that Jesus paid the price for in full when he died, was buried, and raised again from the dead. It's very, very important that we understand that point. So we're not trying to attain to the mind of Christ. We already have it. We are programmed with this mind. It's in you right now. You have the mind of God, the mind of Christ right now as we speak. Amen? So, that one word there in that last phrase, when it says have, I, I want to focus on that for just one quick second. That word have, H-A-V-E, have, in this verse, means to possess, to lay hold of, to take ownership of, or to own. Now, the reason I'm bringing this out is because so often when we read a verse like this and we are not experiencing what we read, we tend to think, I need to get it. I need to get that. I need to ponder more so that I can really understand it. Anytime we read anything in scriptures that, that's not true in our experience, there's the, the tendency is we think we need to do something to make it our experience. So what I'm saying to you tonight is, there is nothing you and I have to do to have the mind of Christ. It's already done for us. But having that mind, though, means you need to lay hold of it. You need to possess it. 
You need to take ownership of it, and you need to own that which already has been given to you. Many times we define ourselves by our experience. Instead of simply laying hold of and taking ownership of what a good father says about us in Christ. And so when you have, or rather when you own the man of Christ, when you possess it and believe that you hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart, you will find your mind free from any negative thoughts about yourself or others. Now, this is very important. It's not just us. It's not just me or you uh, not having negative thoughts about me or about you. When we're fully operating in what we're teaching all this week, you will not have any negative feelings towards yourself and definitely not towards others around you. That's really when you know that you're walking, living in having the mind of Christ. Okay? Now, you will begin to love yourself and others with the love of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. I said this last night, and I said maybe I said this on uh, Sunday. Jesus does not have any, any negative thoughts about you or anyone else. He doesn't. And since you and I have the mind of Christ, neither do you. In other words, what's true of Jesus is also expected to be true of us. Any negative thought that enters your mind about yourself or someone else is not your thought. And I think we established that very well last night, giving an example of Eve from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Any thought that enters your mind about yourself or someone else is not your thought, so don't own it. It's from the enemy of your soul, and the purpose of those negative thoughts is to destroy your life and relationships. So remember, negative thoughts about yourself and others are toxic to your mental and physical well-being. When you understand that truth, you will not tolerate negative thoughts one more moment in your life. Just for instance, for example today, I had a very great day, I started my day very well. And by, by midday, I just, I just felt like I was in the dumps for no reason at all. And then I remember what I'm teaching, what I'm studying and teaching. No, seriously. Seriously. So I, began, I had to begin to speak to myself. Bank, you have the mind of Christ. You have the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart. Holy Spirit, help me to manifest that truth in my life now. Listen, folks. These benefits that God has given us, they... they, they you don't walk in them automatically. It's not just going to fall down from heaven. Yes, you have the mind of Christ. Now, start working. No. No. The benefits are there, but you have to, you have to, you, you, you have, to have it. You have to possess it. You have to, you have to lay hold on it. So all day, I had to constantly remind myself, Constantly employ the help of the Holy Spirit because you cannot do this on your own. If we could, we won't need God. So constantly all they had to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. Manifest this in me. Holy Spirit, help me. And in time, I began to focus on how God loves me. And in a little time, everything began to just change. Amen? Because tonight I want us to speak. I want us to focus tonight on, what's the title now? The mind of Christ is the mind of perfect love. Just remember that negative thoughts about yourself and others are toxic to your mental and physical well-being. And I gave the number last night. 87 to 95% of all illness stems from negative thoughts. Think about that. 
85 to 95% of every sickness, science now, science is saying, science, scientists say 87 to 95% is as a result of negative thoughts. And it can't be too far from the truth because we know what the scripture says in Proverbs 4.23. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Right now, as, you, as we sit down here, me and you are the result of the things we talk, we, we've, we've been thinking about last weeks and months or years. We are the result of our thought life right now. So if you want to change your life, you need to start changing how you think or what you think. No wonder Jesus says, take heed how you hear and take heed what you hear. Amen? So, remember that. These negative thoughts are toxic to your mental and physical well-being. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And again, tonight we are speaking on the mind of Christ is the mind of perfect love. 2 Timothy 1, 7. You can give that to me in NKJV. Okay, I'll take that. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So we see there that God has not given you and I that spirit of fear. Anything that, that brings fear to me and to you, it's not of God. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that sound mind is defined as calm and well-balanced mind. Now let's go to Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Revelation, please, in the living Bible. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now, I'm, I'm cross-referencing I'm cross these scriptures in all these various translations because some of them bring it up better than others, just for clarity, just to make it a little simpler. That's NLT, Living Bible. <laughs> ah, thank you. You said that she was going to trick me. Last night she gave me Spanish. Today she... I have, I have the mind of Christ, so... <laughs> Ezekiel 36, 26, Living Bible. And I will give you a new heart. And I will give you a new and right desires. Do, are you, are you, do you see what God is giving you? This, this is you. This is your gift from God. And I will put a new spirit within you. Now, I said this maybe a couple of nights ago. That heart... In verse 26, when he says, I will give you a new heart. Really, it's a new mind in the original Hebrew. The Hebrew word is the word leb, L-E-B, which means mind. So God is saying, I will give you a new mind. So the question is, did he do it or did he not do it? If God said he's going to do this, it's a done deal. I will give you a new and right desire, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take out your stony hearts and give you New hearts of love. New hearts of what? Love. That's what we have. Amen? Now, 1 John 4, 16. And then we're going to start unpacking all of this. 1 John 4, 16. The mind of Christ is the mind of perfect love. 1 John 4, 16. Thank you. We know how much God loves us because we have felt his love and because we believe him when he tells us that he loves us dearly. Look at the next sentence. God is love. And anyone who lives in love is living with God and God is living in him. What I wanted to show us here is, if you want to define who God is, those three words does it very well. God is is love. End of story. God is love. That means that the mind of Christ is the mind of love. 
Now, let's really get in the weeds for tonight. What is the mind of love? How does Jesus feel towards you and, and others right now? What is the mind of love? How do we define that? In the NIV, Revelation, please, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. The mind of Christ is the mind of perfect love. And you're going to see how this connects with us tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8 in NIV. These passages we're about to read clearly answers the question that we're talking about. If we want to know the mind of Christ, if we want to understand the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of God's heart, then all we need to do is to read the passage that we're about to read now that defines love. When the Bible says in 1 John 16 that God is love, you may ask the question, okay, God is love, what does that mean? What does it mean that God is love? Now we're about to answer that question. Because when you understand the answer to that question, then you understand the answer to the fact that having the mind of Christ is the mind of perfect love. What does it mean that God is love? 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Now, let, let, let me take a pause there. When it says it is not easily angered, in the original, in the Greek in the original, the word easily is not there. It just says it is not angered. Okay? Well, let's just go on. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Now, remember how we got here. 1 John 4, 16 says, God is love. And here we read the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, and we see how love is broken down. We understand that me and you, as born-again new creations, we are one with Jesus. And if we are one with him, we know that we have his mind towards ourselves and everyone else in our lives. Therefore, we are not trying to walk in love. We are in love. Ah! God help me explain that. We are not trying to walk in love. Now, if when you fully understand this, everything we've been talking about since Sunday, you are not trying at striving to walk in love. Love is who you are. Because if your father, God, in 1 John 16, 1 John 4, 16, the Bible says God is love. And you've been created in his image and likeness. You are what he is. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Just, just write your questions for, for Sunday. And then we, we'll unpack those questions on Sunday during the kingdom conversation. But I just, I just want that to sink in. Because what happens is when we read certain scriptures, we read certain things, we begin to start striving. Oh, okay, yes. Love is kind, love is patient. Love is not rude. So we are trying to say, how am I going to be like this? We, we, almost, we almost want to, in our own effort, through our own human performance, arrive at what the scripture is saying. But the point is, you can never do that on your own. It's always a work of the Holy Spirit. You have to say, Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're saying about me. Yes. 
Now, Holy Spirit, help me to make this real. Holy Spirit, I invite you. I thank you for what you say. You, I thank you for how you describe me. I see this. I thank you for it. I receive it. Now, help make this real in my life. That's how it happens. It's not going to happen because you fast. It's not going to happen because you pray. It's not going to happen because you read 99 verses of scriptures. No. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we must understand that and cooperate with him and invite him and commune with him so he, the Holy Spirit, can bring to pass what God intended for him to do. So we're not trying to walk in love. It's who we are. And once you understand that, you can begin to say, oh, wow. Mm, I should have done this. I have... All of a sudden, you begin to see where you are falling short. Because now, you are not trying to be something. This is who you are. This is who you're supposed to be. I am supposed to be love. I'm not trying to walk in love. This is who I am. And because this is who I am, I begin to see now, I should be patient. I should be kind. I'm not rude. You understand what I'm saying? And when that's not happening, it's a challenge to you to say, wait a minute, why is this not happening to me? Holy Spirit, help me. You bring the Holy Spirit in. It's him that's at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I've read this passage so many times in the past. But in this last few days, I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some things that make it very so, so clear. In this passage, we see clear distinctions between what love is and what love is not. Are you following me? We see a clear distinction between what love does and what love does not do. Okay, all right. So, so, so first of all, very quickly. From this passage, in this 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, love is two things. Go back to verse 4 for me, please. Love is two things. If I'm saying to you, what is love? Two things. The Bible says two things about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. End of story. Nouns. Love is patient. Love is kind. The rest are verbs. What love does or does not do. So the long and short of the story, God is love, Jesus is love, Sherwin is love, Bank is love, Ereta is love. The, the, the long and short of all other stories is two things. Love is patient, love is kind. When love is patient and kind, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Verse 5. It is not rude. It is not subsequent. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6. It does not delight in evil. Now, when love is special and kind, it tells us what it does. Rejoices with the truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes, always perseveres. And then he says, love never fails. Do you see the distinction? The clear lines trying to define love? Two, two things, two key things. It's patient and it's kind. Now, for me personally, for me, one of the bigger challenges that I've had is the issue of patience. Someone, are you laughing? <laughs> so your wife is laughing now, so, so her laughing is, is, <laughs> is affecting you where you <laughs> I always want everything done last month. Always. 
Miss Megan, are you laughing? <laughs> so when I read this, and I understand now that this, this, is, this is who I should be, it becomes a challenge. So I have to say to myself, Father, help me. I'm one with you. You are love, and therefore I am love. And as love, I am patient and I'm kind. Holy Spirit, help me bring this into manifestation in my life. See, you can't just read this and assume it's automatic. No, it's not something. That's what the Bible says we read it last night. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. It is yes because he's done it, but you and I must say amen to it. If you don't say amen to you, it's, it's not yours. It's available. But until you say amen to it, you don't possess it. The amen allow you to lay hold on it. So you should not see these kind of scriptures and just gloss over it and just presume that because love is kind, love is patient, it's automatic, it will just fall on you. No, it does not fall on you like that. You've got to activate it. Amen? So... We've all felt angry, disappointed, frustrated with ourselves or someone else at times. But when we understand that those thoughts are not your thoughts, we can reject them. We can say like we said last night, not today, devil. Those thoughts are not my thoughts. I have the mind of Christ. Therefore, I am patient and I'm kind just like Jesus. You've got to speak it. Now, Psalms 46, verse 1. Let's just go there quickly then. I need to, I need to, I need to rush off. Psalms 46, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's it. That's your invitation. Anytime you get stuck, anytime you feel like, oh, I need God, I need, I need help, God says, it's your ever-present help in trouble. Call on him. Amen? So we see the two things about what love is, and then we saw the five things love does, and we saw eight things that love does not do. I'm not, I'm not going to go through that list again, but we, we went through it just now. Two things that, of what love is, that's kindness, being kind and patient. Five things love does, we saw that, and eight things that does, love does not do. Now, all of us in any relationship, this is the beauty of this, we get to live out these scriptures almost on a daily basis. Almost on a daily basis. You and I, we get to live out 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, almost every day. At some point in your day, you're either going to be patient or impatient. It's happened to many of us today. At some point in your day, you get a chance to be kind or unkind. At some point in your day, you get a chance to rejoice in the truth, bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and yourself. I mean, every day, all of us in any kind of relationship, whether you're married, you're dating, uh, you're employed, uh, you're parenting, it does not matter, whatever. As long as you live among human beings, you get to practice 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8 every day. The issue is, how are you doing? We all get the opportunity to be irritated, angry, or hurt. So the issue is not whether we should be angry, but how do we handle it when that happens? Now, I'm about to get some, to some very practical things now. Very practical things. It's all too common that in a relationship with stuff things away rather than talk. Perhaps we don't like conflict or fear being rejected. So what do we do? Rather than talk, we stuff. We pretend everything is fine when it's not. Give me my diagram on the gunny sack. So our Private thoughts 
There you go. Our private thoughts and hurts get stuffed away as in a gunny sack. So while all look good on the surface, a major problem is brewing. You see, because if you don't say it, you will store it. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me slow down because you need to get this. What am I talking about here? In every relationship, whether it's marriage, friendship, uh, parenting, or employee-employer relationship, things do happen that hurt us, irritate us, make us angry. And the point we're making on the having the mind of Christ, which is the mind of perfect love, is when those things do happen, you need to deal with it. But for various reasons, maybe fear of rejection, or you don't like conflict, or you don't like confrontation, things are said or maybe not said that gets you angry, and rather than address and talk about it, you put it in your gunny sack. Are you following me? You just store it away. Private thoughts, I mean private thoughts or hurts, get stuffed away. So everything looks good on the, on, on, on the, on the surface. So we're still smiling. Ah, Lola, how are you doing? Ah, I'm fine. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Praise God. We have a script. How was your day? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Amen. Praise God. We speak this Christianese on the surface, but deep down, we're hurting. So what, what happens? If you don't say it, you store it. So one at a time, those hurts are stored away as unimportant. But the challenge is even small things add up. So we end up with a lot of little hurts being masqueraded as just fine until just fine is finally exposed as one big lie. Little things, little things, little things, you store them, you store them. It's little, you store them, you store them, you store them. And then one day, the sack is full. Remember, you are storing them one hurt at a time. One irritation at a time. One angry moment at a time. Put this stuff in the sack. And it gets full. Let's go to a scripture, and then you bring my sack back. Ephesians 4.25, NIV. Ephesians 4.25 in the NIV. Therefore, each of you must put a falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. That's a challenge. See, when we have the mind of Christ, we must have the mind of perfect love. And so if something's wrong and I said to you, oh, how are you doing, Harriet? What's going on? You should be able to speak the truth in love. But what happens? Oh, I'm fine. I'm highly favored. I just gloss over it. Falsehood isn't, speaking, isn't just speaking lies. It's also projecting something that is false. It's pretending everything is fine when it's not. So now, when you don't say it, you store it. And it does not stay stored forever. This is the challenge. You're not going to put it in this gunny sack forever. Think of the hurts in a relationship like potatoes going into a gunny sack. This old gunny sack, in fact, I was, uh, I was in Lagos last week. Was it last week? Um, <laughs> small. Uncle Mo ordered some uh, fish from Mikale. So they brought the fish in a gunny sack like this. We were sitting downstairs, and some guy just came in. So she, you know, <laughs> I said, what is, what is that? They always said, that's, that's, that's fresh smoked fish. 
full of it's like, I mean, this, this tall of the ground. I said, wow. Okodo fish. <laughs> so, this is the point. This organic think of it as a sack that can hold like 100 pounds of potatoes. Now, a gunny sack in a marriage, for instance, gets filled up like this. This is hypothetical. A forgotten wedding anniversary. You threw a potato in the sack. Your spouse. The, the, the day is coming. Maybe he or she is anticipating, oh, man, honey's going to do this. We're going to have a great time. And you totally forgot. Now, they may not come to you and say, ah, oh, Sheldon, you forgot the anniversary. No. They just made it get a potato. It's in Gunnisak. Tight finances. We can't pay the bills. Enough money is not coming in. You know what happens? Another potato gets thrown in the sack. We're not talking about this things now. I didn't tell you you missed the anniversary. I didn't tell you money is tight. We're just all tight. And the potatoes go in the sack. Ah, a computer history revealing pornography. Now, that's not just one potato. That's a huge potato. <laughs> the, the whole sack is almost full on that one. Or perhaps you're caught telling a lie. Another potato in the sack. Now, this is the point. The hurts are building up. And you can't bring yourself to talk about it because you are not sure where to begin. Because now, this thing is almost full. One at a time, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. So at some point, you get overwhelmed. You don't, you, you don't even know where to start. Because one by one, potatoes or hurts or offenses are tossed inside your gunny sack because if you don't say it, you're storing it. Don't ever forget that. When you don't say it, meaning when you don't talk about it, you are storing it. Now, this is the deal. Remember, if you store it, you have to carry it. You are the one storing this stuff, all this hurts, irritation, anger, disappointment. You are storing it. You have to carry it. I tell people that travel with me, back in those days, when we go on these trips, I, if you can't carry it, don't, don't bring it. I'm not going to be your mule on the mission trip. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, you got on the aircraft, man, people put almost like transmission, uh, in, uh, automatic transmission in the, in the uh, carry-on bag, and then you try to put it on the overhead. My goodness, you're shaking like this. Man, excuse me. Now, remember, you have to, if it's storage, you have to carry it. And this is the implication. Your daily attitude is changing based on how much you are carrying and how long you've been carrying it. Oh, my, 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 When you are storing hurts, irritations, disappointments, anger in a gunny sack, you are the one carrying it. And for each day you carry that sack, it's affecting your attitude, especially depending on how long you've been carrying it for. William Shakespeare, give me that quote, please, by Shakespeare. Look at what it says. In his book, The Taming of the Shrew, he says, my tongue will tell of the anger of my heart, or else my heart, concealing it, will break. In other words, when a person has been carrying a gunny sack of potatoes or hurts or anger or irritation for a long time, you don't have to live with them to know that something's going on. They wear that irritation, that anger, that depression, that dissatisfaction, they wear it all over their face. I remember a person that worked with the ministry in Nigeria a long time ago, and we're getting reports that 
This lady was irate, very irritable, difficult to work with. Uh, every or the, of the other employees in the ministry, she just bite them, bite them, bite them. So, I mean, they couldn't deal with it. So the situation escalated up to me. So Sammy was working with me, Sammy Badaki was working with me then. And so when we got the news here in the United States, by quickening of the spirit, I told Sammy, I said, this is what the problem is. Now, it's very interesting because what I designed as a problem had nothing to do with what she does on the job as a function. I cannot really say what the problem is now because there are little children here in the room. <laughs> Pastor Abdeke, what are you laughing about? The bottom line was her personal needs were not being met. Now, there was no way I could have known that if God didn't reveal it to me. And I said to him, I said, this lady... Her needs are not being met. She he looked at me. Pastor, what's that got to do with all, all, all this? I said, okay, we, we're going there. To, I mean, now, me and him had to travel there. I said, you'll be in the room when I ask. So we got in the room, and I'm talking to this woman, and I said to her, how are you doing? She said, fine. I said to her, how's your personal life? She said, fine. So I looked at Sammy, I said, okay, she, she's, not, she, she's not understanding me. I, I use the word personal life. She didn't get it. I said, no. I said, no. And I said, how's your love life? And then, and then, and then she stopped. She stopped. And she said, I, I have no love life. And then she went on to tell me the story how Dr. Nofiok, she's been married at that time for about nine months, and they had not consummated the marriage. That would get anybody all rocked up. Yeah. Because in their premarital counseling, they got bad information. It's terrible. But I'm saying all of that to say this. So the problem that began at home, carrying a gunny sack of unmet expectations, for God knows how long she was up on a job. So what she was dealing with that was made her, making her unbearable to work with had nothing to do with her, the work she did, but the problem she had at home. Because she's carrying a sack of whatever. Amen? Amen. This is the reason, Ephesians 4, 26. Man, I need to, I need to, I need to move fast. Ephesians 4, 26. Oh, thank you. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. This is the reason. The mind of Christ, which is the mind of perfect love, deals with issues so that it does not continue to build up. Because the buildup is not good for you. When we don't talk about issues that hurt us, we are just stunning them for a later time. Pretty soon, our gutty sack of hurts is overflowing. And what do we do when the sack is too heavy to carry any further? You dump it. You dump it. There are only two things you can do with the gutty sack. Two things only. One, you can fill it up. And two, you can dump it out. So when you wait till the bag is full, we dump it big time. Notice something. When you are dumping that sack, you don't dump it one at a time like you put it in. When it's time to dump, it's not one at a time. You just dump it. That's why Sometimes in relationships, something that you consider to be so trivial, such a minor little thing happens, and your partner or the person you are dealing with just explodes. You say, wait a minute, hey, what happened? 
What they are responding to is not what you just said or what you just did or did not do. What they are responding to is the sack they've been carrying for God knows how long. And it comes out all at one time. Amen? So, a relationship that lasts is a relationship that learns how to keep from dumping the gunny sack onto the other person. Mark Twain, give me that quote, please. Mark Twain says this. Oh, wow. Thank you. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. <laughs> that is serious. So for you and I, that's holding on to the anger, to the irritation, to the hurt. What Mark Twain is saying to us is, that thing you are holding on to potentially is like an acid that can eat up your inside than the person for which to whom you are annoyed with. Amen? Love doesn't explode. Love does not rage. Love does not dump the gunny sack. Love is not provoked or irritated or exasperated. When you have the mind of Christ, you don't get to the point of losing it and dumping the sack. Let's go to Acts chapter 15, verses 39 and 40. I'm almost done. Acts 15, verse 39 and 40. This is Paul and Barnabas. They had such a sharp disagreement that the parrot company, Barnabas took, well, praise God. Oh, okay. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So Paul is talking from experience. When he's telling us in Ephesians 4, 26, that we should not let the, uh, the sun go down on our wrath. He's speaking from experience because it happened to him in Acts 15. Him, him and Barnabas were traveling with John Mark. For some reason, John Mark did not meet their expectation. There, there was a problem with John Mark that they never talk about until the gunny sack was full. And here in verses 13 and 40, they had a sharp disagreement, and the Bible says they parted ways. And unfortunately, many marriages and relationships are parting ways. Why? Because we don't address these things because we are not operating in the mind of Christ, which is perfect love. God help us that that will not be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. For too many husbands and wives, are parting ways because of sharp disagreements that's making them run one from another. But love, the mind, having a mind of Christ, does not get to the point of explosive dumping. Love avoids exploding. Love learns how to talk. So I'm just going to make one last point because there's so much more stuff here, but let me just make one last point here. And that is that the mind of Christ doesn't judge, criticize, or condemn. The mind of Christ does not judge, criticize, or condemn. If God is love and we know he is, then your heavenly father never looks down on you. He does not judge you. He does not criticize you. He does not condemn you. Now, for many of us, that's, that's hard to take. We, we just, we, we, we read it, we see it, and we just say, no, no, it's not possible. Having the mind of Christ, meaning you hold your thoughts, feelings, and purposes of, of his heart towards yourself and others, that means you do not look down on yourself. You do not judge, criticize yourself or anyone else. Give me Romans 4, 8 in the Passion Translation. Romans chapter 4, verse 8, Passion Translation. Thank you. 
What happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them? I will never hold your sins against you. That's what God says. He does not judge us. He does not criticize us. He does not condemn us. Give me Ephesians 1.4, please. Same translation. Ephesians 1.4. Pardon me? It's not, it's not working? Oh, okay, all right. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, let me... Okay, in the New King James, he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without, name, without blame before him in love. So in other words, this is the way God sees us. This is the way he sees you. He sees you, he sees you as uh, holy without blame before him in love. That means you and I should not hold our sins or shortcomings against ourselves. You should not define yourself by your failures. You define yourself as righteous, perfect, without fault in your father's eyes because you are one with Jesus. The same is true for you and others. Since you have the mind of Christ towards others, you don't hold a person's sin or mistakes against them. So this is the point. Not only does God not hold our sins against us, he does not judge us, criticize us, or condemn us. He doesn't do that. Now, the challenge is for me and you to do the same or to be the same. The challenge for you and I, not to judge others, not to criticize others, not to condemn others. Can you, can you do that? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> now, there will be reasons. There will be circumstances. There will be times. There will be things that will happen that will want to make you do those things. Why, where you feel you need to judge, criticize, or condemn. But that's where having the mind of Christ comes in. When you see yourself leaning towards that, you take a pause. Time out. Bank, I have the mind of Christ. I hold the thoughts, the purposes, the thoughts, the feelings, and God's purposes of his heart. Because if God does not judge me, and I'm like him, why should I judge others? Wow, it's quiet. It is very, very quiet. How many judges do we have here tonight? <laughs> How many people did you judge, judge today? Or condemn or criticize? Listen, I've done it all myself, okay? So I'm not trying to be, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you something here that, oh, I'm above this. No, no, I've done all of this. I've judged people, I've criticized people, I've condemned people. But now I know it's wrong. Not only do I know it's wrong, I know that God has given me the capacity not to do it. Yeah. That's what having the mind of Christ. Listen, how many people did Jesus judge? And I don't have time tonight. I will show it to you in Scripture. Clearly, where it says, I judge no one. Clearly, in black, in red and white. Clearly, where he said, hey, I'm not doing this. He doesn't judge. He doesn't criticize. He doesn't condemn. Bring your question on Sunday. <laughs> he does not judge. He does not criticize. He does not condemn. Now, I'm going to throw this out. We're going to go. Even for unbelievers, he does not judge them. He does not criticize them. He does not condemn them. Ah. Scratch your head on that one. Because religion has taught us that God is in heaven threatening, looking to say, man, I'm going to deal with you. No. Very, very, very clear. Okay, I'm going to give you one scripture. Oh, it, it, it's not working yet? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
verse 19. In your New King, New King James, all of you have the device, so I'm sure you have, you have it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Second Corinthians 5, 19. <laughs> Which one would you like? <laughs> I'll just tease it. NLT, actually. You have, you have it in NLT? Can somebody? Does anybody have it in NLT? New Living Translation? Can you just shout it out for me? Let me, let me bring it back to you. Second Corinthians 5.19. There you go. It says, for God was in Christ. Uh-huh. Reconciling the world. Wait a minute. It's doing what? Reconciling the world. Go ahead. Reconciling the world to himself. Mm-hmm. No longer counting people's sins against them. Come on. That's false to be speaking. New Testament. Covenant of grace. It's reconciling the world. No longer counting people's sins against them. So a disaster happens in India. Ah, we see those guys, because of their sin, God is destroying them. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. In fact, in the book of, oh boy, let me find this quickly. Uh, if, if, if Jesus was condemning unbelievers, what, what in the world is Jesus doing having sinners for friends? Have you read that in the Bible? Mark chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. They were his friends. Okay, just one scripture. Luke chapter 9. Give it to me, Apostle BK, in the Amplified Classic. And we're going to go. Luke chapter 9, verse 53. Luke 9, 53. Luke 9, 53. In the Amplified Classic, yes. It says, but the people uh -huh. would not love us or receive or accept him. Okay. Because his faith was set as if he was going to Jerusalem. Okay, read on. And when his disciples... James and John observed this. Uh -huh. They said, Lord, do you wish us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Uh-huh, yeah. Even as Elijah did. Uh-huh, there were some religious people just like us here. Yeah. <laughs> but he turned and rebuked and severely censured them. Wait a minute, what did he do to them? Do to them? He turned, he rebuked and severely censured them. Don't miss the context. Some people did not believe in Jesus. And John and James, the disciples of Jesus, said, Jesus, these this unbelievers here, let's go deal with them. Let's send fire to destroy them. Jesus rebuked and censured them. Read on. And he said, you do not know of what sort of spirit you are. Ah. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, uh -huh. but to save them uh -huh. from the penalty of eternal death. Ah. And they journeyed on. Did you hear that? That would have been a golden opportunity for him to judge, criticize, and condemn them. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Time will not permit me to show you the woman caught in her daughter, John chapter 8. For we said, I do not condemn you. So the point here is, when you have the mind of Christ, you have the mind of perfect love, and you must understand that because of that, Love is patient. Love is kind. That's who we are. And consequently, because of that, when there are issues among us, we talk about it. We speak the truth in love. Don't store them, because when you store them, you dump them. And that destroys relationships. Amen? Amen? It does not judge you. It does not criticize you. It does not condemn you. So you should not do that to anybody else. Don't judge your husband. Don't judge your wife. Don't judge your children. Don't judge your friends. Don't criticize or condemn them. Leave it up to God. Father, we thank you for our time together tonight. Help us to walk in the truth 
that you're teaching us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you are helping us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Two more days to go. Bless you. Thank you.